Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Well, for the past few weeks, we've been looking at our values as a church. And it's important to know what our values are um, because it's pretty much what we live by. Yeah. So we, we've been looking that we want to be the sort of church that pursues the heart of God, to pursues the presence of God. We want to be the kind of church that... Um, good job, boys. And Rach. We want to know the word. We want to live by the word. Um, we want to engage in our community. Yeah. We want to understand our calling as a church. And we're passionate about not just knowing the word, but actually living it out. Which brings us to today's value. It's a bit like Sesame Street or whatever that thing is, you know, today's window. <laughs> What's in today's window? The triangle window is that as a church, we're compelled by compassion to actually reach the lost. Compassion. From the very start, I just want to explain that compassion and empathy are very different things. Empathy is looking at somebody's situation or circumstance and go, oh man, I feel for them. I feel sad for them. I feel emotion for them. I feel like I would understand what it would feel like to be in their situation. And it's not very nice. Compassion is the next step. Compassion is going, I can see somebody's situation. I can see, I can feel emotion towards them. And I'm not just going to feel emotion. I'm actually going to step out and I'm going to act and, and, and be proactive in actually helping them. Um, and we're going to look a little bit today about what that looks like, because that can look like many different things, you know. It can look like feeding them. It can look like praying for them. It can look like listening to them. Um, it can look like babysitting for them. It can look like lots of different things. And um, basically, a definition I came across that I really liked that I thought shared what compassion is, is it's the human disposition that fuels acts of kindness and mercy. It fuels it. Compassion is... Um, when our, our love is aroused to the point where we see the value and mercy that we need to place on another human being, it's God-given. Compassion is not something that the world has, has dreamt up and um, it's actually part of who God is. Throughout the Bible, we can see that, that God is compassion and we are his body, which means that we are supposed to ooze compassion. These values that we talked about um, for the last few weeks and we'll continue for a little bit longer looking at it's it's who we are as a family you know you can look at most families and sort of see what they value it might be that they value a big house or a big car or they value money or they value sport or they value lots of different things but as the body of Christ we're supposed to ooze what is important to God the Bible talks about um, compassion in this way it says when asked what was the greatest commandment Jesus responded that is to love God with all your heart, mind and strength. The next part of that, I'm going to take a seat over here. So I'm going to invite up some friends in a moment. The next part of that is to love your neighbour as yourself. That's the hard part. We kind of go, yeah, we love God. We love God with all our heart and all our mind and all our strength. We love him. He's lovable. What's not to love about God? But what about the, the person that may walk through the door that isn't quite as lovable? They may not smell quite as lovable or they may not look quite as lovable. They may not act quite as lovable. Can we honestly say that we can do both of those commandments to love God with all our heart and all our soul and all our strength and love our neighbour as ourselves? I find that really hard sometimes 
And I'm pretty sure every single person in here may find that hard sometimes. But it goes on to say, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Originally made in his image, man is to exemplify God's traits, including compassion. And from this, it follows on to say, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. That's harsh, yeah? But it's the truth. How many times do we sit there going, oh, I just don't really like them, or they've got themselves into this scenario, or, you know. But God says that we cannot love him and not love the way he loves. So I just want to invite up some of um, some really amazing people in our church. Um, Ruth, do come on up, Ruth. Ruth's going to come and talk to us a little bit about food care and how compassion is outworked in food care. And also Cindy, Ducrecy, come on up, gorgeous. Absolutely, please sit, join me. And Dave Walker, where are you, Dave? And Danielle Shaw, is she still in kids? Here she is. My beautiful Danny. Danny's my niece. I'm not going to say she's my favourite niece because I have awesome nieces, but I really, really, really love her. And I tell them all that. (laughs) So obviously, um, I'm just going to move this forward a bit. I rearrange furniture all the time. It's like a really bad habit. Steve will come home from work and the house is completely rearranged. But we literally have no house right now. We're living with the Kirchbergs. And so I can't rearrange furniture. We're buying another one. We're not homeless, but that's okay. You can all show compassion to us. <laughs> awesome. So I just asked these guys to through the week to just share how compassion actually impacts what it is. I don't want my back to you guys over there. How compassion actually outworks in what it is that they have found themselves doing, where God has landed them and what's in their hand to do. So maybe, Ruth, do you want to start? And how compassion actually, I think... No, you can use mine. How compassion actually impacts how you serve at food care? Oh, I think the first thing that touched me is to think uh, the children might get up and not even have breakfast and go to school. And I know there's other groups that do do breakfast. And uh, some of the stories that come, the children are the ones that uh, can't change it. The parents come in and uh, all we can do is help by giving them food. And there's another one that um, help is the women that work, walk out of domestic violence. They walk out with nothing. Only their children, their children might be lucky they picked up their favourite toy. And there's a gap before the government can help them. They come in, we give them food for nothing. We give them clothing if there's things there that fit them and the children. One lady one day, she was going through and she started crying. She said, oh, I've found two nighties. I haven't got any nighties. And she was grateful for that. And I think because we take things for granted, we don't realise what people really do miss out on and the children just break your heart. Um, God showed me through two different situations compassion which otherwise if he hadn't done it I would not have the to be honest I would not have the compassion on the elderly or the young because in both situations God wanted me to do things that I've said no to both of them and one of them was aged care I didn't want to do it because it just wasn't something that I thought I could do 
Well, in the end, God just had his way with that, never I want, whether I wanted it or not. And I ended up doing it. But it showed me the elderly people, they came to a stage where they just could not do what for us personally was easy to do. And it showed me their... Some of them could be really embarrassed to have to accept that kind of help. And also with the foster care, we'd been... Um, talking about on and off for about a year and then it, when it finally came to our decision and we said yes I said to a good friend of mine I said I don't think I can love another person's child and surprised her but as soon as I said that God just said yes you can because I was never one that was um maternal <laughs> so but now like we've got a beautiful little girl that like we wouldn't live without she was always ours but also, finally, when the final um, adoption was signed, got to have compassion for the birth parents too because it's final legal rec recognition that they are no longer her parents. And they give up. That's, they have no rights or any say over um, Summer. But that's what God's shown me. Awesome. Um, so part of feeling compassion towards someone is when their heartbreak becomes your heartbreak and that's really what it was like for me um, when I first found out about the huge criminal industry of human trafficking and um, the very large social injustices that these people who are being trafficked are facing. And um, I came across a really cool organisation called A21 and their aim is to abolish human slavery throughout the whole world. Um, and as I started watching some of their like promotional videos um, that they have made and hearing stories of these victims and these survivors, um, it really honestly broke my heart to hear that these people were going through these horrible and terrible situations and um, it still breaks my heart because human trafficking is the largest growing criminal industry in the world, um, which is a bit crazy. And for a little bit I was honestly mad at God that he would let this happen to all these people and for them to suffer through these things, but then I came to remember that we live in a sinful world and um, that this isn't what God in sorry, intended for us. And um, now I can see that God places that on my heart to not only just have compassion and say, oh, look at what a great job A21 are doing, like that's so cool what they're doing, but to actually like physically support them and put my compassion towards these people um, into action. Um, so last year, Dominion Youth, we um, were a part of A21's Walk for Freedom, which happens every October. Um, all across the world, and our youth raised over a thousand dollars for it, which was more than half of what all of Wollongong um, raised. So that was, um, yeah, it was really cool. So it's cool to see that God's places on my heart and all the things that not only I can do it, but I can share with our youth and get involved in. So yeah, awesome. I um. It's just amazing to hear that. You know, just mobilised youth in this church is just super scary um, and so awesome. Um, compassion for me, I guess, has um, led, I guess, um, while well, I fly out to uh, Rwanda on Tuesday morning um, for a month and um, <clears throat> with an entourage of 41 people. I'm an idiot. Um, 
and and 26 of those uh, students under the age of 20. Oh, far out. Anyway, so um, I guess I just wanted to very quickly tell you a story, um, and apologies to those people who have heard it before. Um, in 2014, this is how it all came about. I was driving out you know, 90 kilometres east of Kigali in Rwanda, and um, I'm driving along this road, and I'd promised um, one of my uh, friends in Rwanda, I'd promised that I'd go and see her village. So I was driving out with her in the car. She gets out of the car um, about one kilometre away from her village and there's three kids on the side of the road and they've got their books out. She goes, stop here, stop here, stop here, get out. I've got to get out, I've got to get out. And they hold the books out um, in front of them and she, um, um, she goes to the first kid, she reads the book, she signs this book and then she um, slaps this kid on the back of the head, <laughs> right? And then she goes to the next kid, reads the book, signs the book and pats the kid on the back of the head. And then reads the book of the third kid, pats the kid on the back of the head. And then she gets back in the car and I said, what was that all about? And she goes, oh, those three kids I sponsored to go to school. And I said, oh, cool. All right, yeah. And so because I'm the sponsor, I've got to sign off on their homework and, and their work. And I went, oh, okay, no worries. And she then said, yeah, the, um, they're the children and the grandchildren. Um, two of them were the children and one of them was the grandchild of people who murdered my entire family in this village. Wow. And I went, you what? And she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm building a church um, because there are no Tutsi um, left, in, left in this village. I'm building a church for the murderers. I'm building a church for the perpetrators of genocide. And that was uh, February 2014. And um, from there, we've now putting in, we're, we're going to that village. We've been going to that village now for the last four years. Um, and through her compassion being modelled to me, we have a vision to build um, a school. Um, what is really cool is I went to church with a guy who'd killed a 15-year-old boy with a rock, smashed his skull in, um, and I'm sorry for the graphic part of that, but it's just life, and that's what the genocide was. And um, he's in the choir um, of the church. And, and I remember having this conversation with him. I said, what has changed? And he said, I found God. I found God. And I did my time. I did my time and every day I regret what I did to that 15-year-old boy. But, but because God has compassion on me, I find myself in church. And I watch this guy in, and my students watch this guy and he was released. I've never seen anything like it. And that was because of this woman's compassion of essentially building a, building a church for the people that killed her race, her tribe, and her family. Never seen anything like it. It was amazing. Wow. Amazing. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> so, I love, I love hearing from every single one of these guys, and I'm pretty sure if we went around the room today, we could ask you, how is it that you actually impart compassion? How do you practically outwork compassion in your daily life and you would have amazing stories you may not think they're amazing but they really are amazing and as you can see we've got local you know we're in our own building every week we have families and people who are coming in who are needing mercy they're vulnerable they're needing love and compassion and we have hands and feet beautiful hands and feet here every week serving and and I'm sure that you know if if Ruth, if you were to wake up, you know, 10 years ago and someone said to you, I need you to um, look after all the, you know, the people who are struggling to feed their children every week, you'd be like, I have no idea how to do that. Um, but doing this, it's possible, yeah? That's right. I think when I first started, I used to take 
the worries home yeah. and think I'm not doing enough. But God said, you just got to do your bit. Absolutely. And that's what you've got to accept. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And I love that, you know, Cindy was saying, I honestly thought there's no way I could love another person's child the way they need to be loved. Um, and so, I mean, you know, we hear that out on TV, the problem's so big, what can I do? Well, what can you do? That's the point. What can you do? What is in your hand to do? And, and for you guys, you started a journey. You went, I'll be obedient with the first step. And now years down the track, they've got a beautiful daughter that they couldn't imagine living without. And neither could we because she's just sunshine, isn't she? To be honest, <laughs> I said no at first. Yeah. And God had his way. Even though I've said no to the big things, that doesn't worry God because he's made his, He's done situations that I've had to do what he wanted anyway. And, <laughs> and it's given me compassion, but also helped the elderly and and the young. Yeah. So Beautiful. in the two ways I'd said no in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously our young people, they've got energy. They've got, they've got plenty of energy. Um, and they've, they've actually, I, I, love, I love the young people in this church because they're not just coming here for a hyped up Friday night. They don't just come on here on a Sunday night and dance down the front like they're, you know, just being silly. They are worshipping God in a different way to some of us, but they're worshipping God and they're, they're like, put a fire under them and they're going to go a long way. These guys are touching young children and women in the far reaches of the world who thought that everybody had forgotten them, that thought there was no hope and no future. And our young people in our church, in our church, our young people are putting their hands to the plough and saying, you know what, we can cook brownies, we can walk, we can raise money, we can serve, we can love, we can write. Um, and that just... That is compassion. That is, that is the heart of God being outworked. And, and, you know, obviously, and then the far reaches of Rwanda. Beautiful. And I, I guarantee you that the team that Dave takes over, who will probably drive him completely insane and he will have to learn compassion all over again, <laughs> they are going to be touched by, by what it is, the, the privilege it is to actually be able to be hands and feet and show people compassion. So thanks, guys. You can... Stay or go, it's up to you. <laughs> Danny can go back and serve our children. I feel like as a Christian, it's not enough for us to just feel sorry for people. It's such, it's just not. I heard a brilliant message. Um, I'm sitting down because I sometimes get a little bit of vertigo and I feel like I'm going to crash. So it's better for me to sit and get up when I feel. So you guys can just be, just chill with me a little. Um, I once heard the most amazing message and it challenged me beyond anything I have ever heard. It said, the church is not designed to be a cruise ship. It's designed to be a rescue vessel. It's not supposed to have anything to do with the comfort of us who get on board. We're not supposed to kick back and think, what's my favourite outfit and where am I going to get my favourite cocktail and is my room going to be comfortable enough? Um, is the sea going to stay calm for me? Um, is the, the ushers at the front door going to be nice enough? Is the temperature going to be warm enough? It's got nothing to do with that. We're a rescue vessel. And we're supposed to have hands ready, hand, you know, hands to boarding stations, if you like, um, ready to go out in the roughest of sea, to go out and rescue people, to go searching for people. Um, and, and the moment we start to get the mentality that, that the church is supposed to be about our comfort and about us, um, we, we lose the point because God is the master of the rescue vessel, not the cruise ship. You're on the wrong ship, if that be the case. Um, the other day I was in Bloom's The Chemist and 
I had one of those. I was I wasn't feeling very well. I had a bit of a cold, and um, I was at the at the chemist, and I was I walked in, and I was standing there looking at the heat packs on the wall, going, I really have a sore neck. I want a heat pack. And this um, man, who is clearly drug affected, um, I dare say homeless, he walked in, and he kind of walked past, and he was rummaging around in his little um, hands there with with something, and I'm like, he's so stealing. And in my head, I'm like, what do I do about this right now? No one else has seen him stealing. I could just pretend like that didn't just happen. It's not really my personality to do that. Um, and I work with children and young people who live that sort of lifestyle a lot. So I'm not, I'm not um, concerned or anything about it, speaking with somebody who has drug addiction or whatever. It comes quite naturally to me. Others, it probably wouldn't and that's okay. But I was in that situation in that moment. And so I'm like... All right, one option. I can pretend like I didn't see him trying to steal whatever it is that he's stealing and I'll just close my eyes and it's not happening. I'll go on my merry way. I'll go out to the car where Steve's probably thinking, why on earth is she taking so long shopping? Um, And then there was the second option. I could go and tell the, the lady at the counter that there was a man down there stealing. I wouldn't have to have any contact with him. He would get in trouble because what he was doing was wrong. That was my second option. Or the third option which I kind of went, oh my goodness, why did I choose that at that moment? But the third option was I engaged with him. I looked at him, he looked at me, and I said to him, I said, mate, you're not really stealing that, are you? And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 I I am. And he started to dart around and and he's like, they're they're really, really expensive. And I'm like, I know, I know they're really expensive. Um, I said, but you, and this this was a Holy Spirit moment, right? I said, you are better than that said you're better than that and he looked at me and I'm like you don't have to do this I know they're expensive I know you need them but you are better than that anyway he came walking towards me and I'm thinking oh man (laughs) please don't let this be one of those you know moments where the beautiful person who has now become an ice addict turns into a crazy man and kills me but he came over to me and he he put his hand out to shake my hand I'm like where where is this going I'm standing here and his hand was dirty and grubby and I'm like, all right, cool. And I put my hand out and I shook his hand and as I grabbed it, I grabbed his hand and I said, you are better than this. You don't have to do this. You're going to walk out now and you're going to leave that on the shelf and you're going to go and you are not going to take that thing. And he was a bit emotional and he said, thank you. And he walked on out and then after he walked out, I'm like, oh, I should have paid for the stupid things. And then he wouldn't have to come back and probably steal them, which is probably what he was going to do after I left. But in that moment, I was like, you know what? I'm so glad I took the compassion route. I'm so glad that I, I could have got him in trouble. He was doing the wrong thing. You know, I could have ignored it. Nothing's really going on here. It's not my business anyway. I'll just keep walking. I'll just pretend like it didn't happen. But I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me and say, no, Rob, this is a chance for you to place value and compassion on somebody. Maybe for the first time in who knows how long someone actually told him he was better than what he was doing. That's what we're called to do as a church. I'm not going to say I do that every time. That would be a lie. But that was my heart. That was what came out of me in that moment was to show this guy love and compassion, to be a rescue ship, you know, to be in the moment. And Jesus had that exact same thing happen. I remember reading in the Bible, he was walking past, um, where was he? Hang on, let me find where he was. Matthew 20, 30, 34, he was walking through um, and he was with a crowd of people and there was two blind beggars in the corner and they called out, Jesus, son of Nazareth, come, you know, can you come over, come over? And, and the crowds were saying, be quiet, Jesus is busy, we're on our way somewhere. And he's like, they're like calling out saying, Jesus, come. Anyway, Jesus stopped 
he just stopped and he went and talked to them. And he said, what do you guys want? Why are you calling out to me? What is it you need? I mean, he could clearly see they were blind, but he asked them. He stopped in his journey, stopped in his day, stopped in his past, stopped in his track and said, what is it that you actually need? And they said, well, we want to see. Probably not a big ask, you know. It's not like they were asking for the moon. They wanted to be able to see. And he said, you know what, prayed for them. He laid hands on them and they were healed and they seen and they would have gone on to say great exploits and do great exploits for Jesus. Um, but he stopped. And if Jesus can stop in his busy journey of saving the world, I'm fairly sure we can stop in our busy journey of going to sport or to footy or to the shops. And um, I I was thinking about that. I was thinking about, well, what does that even look like? You know, we've looked at a few ways that we can actually show compassion to people. But there's so many ways. There's so many ways. You know, we might know of somebody that's, that's doing it hard in their marriage. Their marriage might be struggling. And you might think, well, they've got big issues. Like they actually need deep counselling. They actually need greater, you know, support than I can give. Well, don't just step back and, and sort of say, well, it's, it's too deep for me. I can't go there. You can always babysit their kids while they do have time to go out and outsource and get the help they need. Or I think Cindy was talking about the elderly. Breaks my heart to think that elderly people are lying in their beds year in, year out because they don't have family to come and visit them. That's not very hard. Rock up and hang out with some, you know, hear some old stories and, and, and bless some old people. Or cooking a warm meal for someone even in the church or outside the church just so that they, um, they're, they're really busy at that time or they, they can't make ends meet or whatever. We can cook or order pizza because I can't cook <laughs> very well. There's so many different ways that we can actually meet people's needs and show compassion to people without it, you know, taking us out. I remember, um, I remember my, one of my favourite shows on TV at the moment is Bondi Rescue. Does anyone watch Bondi Rescue? Am I the only one that wastes my time doing that? It's basically, it's the, it's the lifeguards at Bondi Beach, which is the busiest beach in Australia. Like it's crazy. Thousands and thousands of people rock up to this beach. It's not even a very nice beach. I don't know why. They should come to Wollongong, but we won't tell them that. Um, and basically, they come from all over the world. Like they hear Bondi Beach and they go, I'm going there. I'm going to get off a plane. Never, ever step foot in water or, the, out, you know, they've lived in deserts or who knows what and they think they can just jump into the ocean and all will be well. They can't read the signs that say there's danger in the water and they get, they, they, they get stuck all the time. They get caught in rips. They can't swim. They've got, you know, clothes on that they're going to drown in and the, the lifeguards are there. They're there waiting for any scenario that might happen. They're watching to look out. There's other people that fully understand the rules and choose to not follow them. They'll be like, well, I don't really need to stay in the flags because I'm a fairly decent swimmer. I think I'll be okay. I can go out in the water. Nothing's going to happen to me. And within five seconds, they find themselves in a rip and they're drowning and they've got their arm up as well. And then there's other ones who decide to go surfing inside the flags and put everybody else at risk. There's so many different variables that happen. Sometimes the water just changes and they weren't prepared for it. You know, maybe there's a shark. There's lots of different things that can happen at Bondi Beach. And the lifeguards, there's lots of them, they are there. They are ready to go into the water and do whatever it takes to rescue these people. I'm like, that's what we're called to do. I'm sitting there going, oh my goodness, we're called to be lifeguards. Because we're not, that they, they're not just any Joe Blow that's standing on the side. They have been trained and equipped to actually go into pretty much any scenario in the water, grab them by the, their hair if they need to, roof them up and bring them back to shore by any means necessary. 
Um, and then when they come back to shore, every single time, that person's like, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness. And then they can speak to them and say, this is the safe place to play. This is the safe place to swim. This is where you need to stay. Because if you don't, that's what's going to happen, right? And they learn from that. And that's the same with us. As a church, we are called to be lifeguards. We are called to be rescue ships. We have been trained and equipped by the Holy Spirit, by Jesus Himself, to actually go into places that other people may not have the strength and courage to go into and rescue people. They're not going to follow the rules every time. They're not even going to know all the rules. They may not know how they got themselves into that marriage crisis or they found themselves in pornography or they found themselves homeless. They may not have a clue how that happened. That could be a generational curse. That could be a generational thing. Everybody has gone through the same process for years and years and years. They don't know how to get out of it. They don't know how to get out of a rip or they've got themselves into financial trouble because they thought that would be okay. They thought that that would be okay, but then, then the tide changed and all of a sudden they were stuck. We're the ones, church. We're the body of Christ. We're the ones who are supposed to be standing there going, God has given me everything I need to go into this scenario and maybe not fix it, be part of the link in the chain to fix their, show mercy, you know, place value to look at somebody and go, you know what, <laughs> honey, I know that you have made these decisions and this is where you've landed yourself and you have literally made the bad decisions to land yourself in this mess. But regardless of that, despite of that, I'm going to show you love and I'm going to show you compassion. I'm going to show you mercy. I'm going to rip you up by the roots of your hair if need be so that you don't drown. Because as a church, we're called to be a rescue vessel. We're called to not be about our own comfort. I know this isn't a very nice message, is it? I'm probably not sounding very compassionate. But the, the world needs it. It's a mess. We had four people sitting here talking on four or five different things that um, and that's only the start of the mess that the world's in we have to be on guard we have to be hands to boarding stations every hand on deck doesn't matter if you're only just new to lifeguarding you're a new Christian God will give you what's in your hand to actually minister to those he has placed before you and you'll get joy from it you'll you'll be energized by it I'm sure Ruth did you go home on a on a Thursday and kind of go feel good yeah you do, because you kind of go, I feel like I'm, I'm doing what it is God's called me to do. I've placed value on someone's life. You know, I was in here, I, I popped in on Thursday and I, had, I, don't come to, um, I don't come to food care very often at all. So I'm not saying that I come and volunteer, but I popped in here to look at the stage for this the other day and got to meet a beautiful young woman who had a baby that maybe was a couple of weeks old. So cute, baby Alaska, I think the name was, gorgeous. We are having a little moment, weren't we, Laura? A little like, oh, look at the baby. But just in a few seconds, we got to find out the baby's name. We got to find out how it's sleeping. Does mum need support? Does she need to come to play group? Does she, you know, just love on her and tell her she's doing a great job? And, and it took two seconds and we walked away going, oh, that baby was so cute. How, you know, it's not hard to place value on people. It's not hard as a church to be compassionate. It's not hard as Jesus did to actually stop and go, what is it that you actually need? What do you need? I think we can do it. And I think we do do it. I think as a church, we are brilliant at loving on people. I think that um, we've been here for a year and a half, Dulles, and we felt the moment we walked in that this place is family and it's home and it's love. Um, and that, that is a great place to start for compassion. So I'm going to pray, get the musos back up. That would be great. And get these chairs and stuff off. Thanks, guys. I'm going to pray. Father God, we just thank you that you that you call us beyond the comforts and the warmth of our little safe place. 
and you call us out into the water. Like we sung this morning, Lord, you take us deeper than we could ever imagine. And yet that's amazingly where we find blessing. And so God, I just ask today that as a church, as we've stopped and we've looked at compassion as a value of who we are, as part of our DNA as a church is to show compassion, to to not just feel sorry for people, but to actually act. I ask that you show us where we can show compassion. Lord, I don't know whether it be we're at the checkout and you ask us to pay for their groceries, who knows? But Lord, I just ask that you speak to us, that you show us how we can be your hands and feet, how we can be your rescue vessel in this world that we are living in, the climate that we're living in. In Jesus' name.